Hello, and welcome to episode 342 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Omnipod and Dexcom. You can find out more about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor by going to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. And to find out more and even get a free no-obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump sent directly to you, go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Today on the show, I'm going to be speaking with Kyle Banks. Kyle is a Broadway actor, and I'm sure you've probably seen him, because I think we've all seen The Lion King on Broadway, right? Like everybody? Anyway, Kyle has type 1 diabetes. He's here today to talk about his journey, as well as what's going on currently in the world, and to also tell me a little bit about his organization called Kyler Cares, which you should check out at kylercares.org. Don't be shocked. Kyle has an incredibly deep voice. He's going to make me sound like a five-year-old girl singing in the choir. Please don't forget that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Do you hear me trying to get deeper so that in a second it sounds like I'm not like a pity? What do you say? Kyle's got a nice voice. Kyle Banks here, um, actor, uh, and was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes about five years ago, this coming November. How old are you now, Kyle? I am 43. 43. So, wow, 38. Yeah, diagnosed later in life. Anyone in the family that made you feel like this was a possibility or no? I'm the only lucky one. (laughs) (laughs) I assume that means you get the bigger piece of meat at Thanksgiving and things like that. Oh, oh, oh yes, for sure. <laughs> Give it to Kyle. He got the diabetes. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll definitely, I definitely use it to my advantage. No kidding. Well, that's, a, I mean, that's, you know, I guess to say that I'm shocked by the age is a little bit of a fallacy because I've interviewed enough people now at every age to know what happens, yeah. but it really just isn't in what you would consider the sweet spot of getting type one mm-hmm. diabetes. Yeah, um, most definitely. How did it present? I mean, people used to tell me this all the time, and it would piss me off in the beginning. But now I totally get what they mean. If they would say, you're lucky that you were diagnosed later in life. Uh, and I'm like, what do you mean? This is horrible. Um, right. Why would anybody want to be diagnosed with this at all? But I totally get what they mean, because to be diagnosed with it earlier and just knowing that all that goes into it. Um, and all that it requires of you, uh, I, I, I do share that sentiment now. I would have to think, and I'll be, you know, obviously I don't know, but a couple of things come into my mind. First of all, the idea of complications. The earlier you start, the more time diabetes has to, to work on you. Yes. But also, as an adult, it's got to be a little easier to see a shift in your life and adjust to it then most you, definitely right, things like that most have happened definitely. to you before right i mean mm-hmm. not on this scale but still you've had a place to live and then suddenly not had a place to live had a had a you know had a 
you know, I don't know, you were dating somebody and then all of a sudden they were gone. Like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. is an adjustment when you're 18 or that's, that's tough. So, yeah. Well, yeah, well and I, I've also made decisions like for my life as far as like nutrition and just certain things that I've, I've removed from like my, my diet mm-hmm. and the way in which I've developed like exercise and, 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 and have incorporated that to my life. Now I'm definitely much better suited to deal with it now than I would have been years ago. So where were you, I guess, professionally, what were you doing at 38? Well, I've been performing um, on Broadway for since I was 25. Okay. So I was on, on tour at the time of my diagnosis mm-hmm. and traveling. Uh, it just been wrapped up three months in Canada um, and had just um, gotten to uh, California. We were touring California for about two months. Um, Help me exp- understand that and explain it to people because I live close enough to New York that when you say Broadway, they're is a picture I get in my mind, but people who live across the country, when when shows are incredibly popular, eventually they they hit the road, right? Right, they hit the road. Uh, um, I was touring with Lion King at the time, and Lion King is based in New York, uh, where it sits. But there's also uh, a touring production that tours the country. Okay. So at, I bounce uh, back and forth between the Broadway production and the touring show. That's interesting. So. Wow. Is is that based on your desire to move around? I mean, I'm assuming there are some people who don't want to tour, or is it not within your purview to make that decision? Do they just tell you this is where you're going now? This is where you're performing? Hey, it, 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 it's totally up to me. Like, no one's putting a gun to my head <laughs> saying, you have to tour. <laughs> no, um, initially, I, I was on Broadway for like maybe five years, mm-hmm. and I was asked if I would be interested in uh, going out to the tour to fill in sometimes, and Initially, I was like, no, I'm working in New York. Like, why would I go out to the tour and perform in Kenny Buckport, Maine? Right. Like, but I had no idea that the tour actually pays more money, huh. a lot more money. So. <laughs> and you don't have to pay to live in New York anymore. It's probably like and, getting two raises. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So I was like, why? after I learned that, I was like, why did you come to me sooner with this offer? <laughs> when, I, when we were really young, my wife worked for a company that was in Manhattan, and she commuted in and out every day. And then one day she didn't anymore and she was in New Jersey and her first paycheck came after New Jersey. And I called her on the phone. I was like, yo, they made a big mistake. Don't tell anybody, (laughs) but it was just not paying the taxes in New York. Exactly. Yeah. Very real. That's cool. So how long did you do the, well, I guess, how long did you perform in Manhattan and how long were you doing the touring? Well, I, I'm, I'm a swing. I'm called the, it's called the universal swing. So I hop in and out of the show as needed. Uh, People take, it's like a real job. So Mm -hmm. we have like vacations, you know, people to take time off the sick, sick leave. And um, because Lion King is such a high intense show with um, physical, physical activity. um, There are a lot of injuries. So I, I hop in as needed. So I, I, Part of the time I'm in New York, part of the time I'm on tour. Just, it just depends on where the need is. That's interesting. It's not something that would ever, I mean, it makes perfect sense, but it's not something that would occur to me. Um, that's really. Yeah, the, the, the show has to go on regardless, like what's going on with the actors. So there's always someone there to, uh, to fill in. Can you do n- multiple roles? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Do you have like a sweet spot, like where you were, where you were? did one more than another or does it not even work like that 
So yeah, it, does, it doesn't work like that. It's just basically where, where the need is. And, really um, and the principal characters, they, they're really good about coming to work um, and just being there and being present. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, you know, injuries happen. Like I said, yeah. people just need a break for family time or personal reasons or whatever the case may be. So you're in Canada headed to California and, and how do you, I mean, what's the first sign you don't feel well? Well, I began having vocal issues in Canada. So I was traveling back and forth to the States um, to visit uh, ENT specialists mm-hmm. um, to, uh, uh, there you go, uh, to visit ENT specialists uh, to, to sort of help me figure out what was going on with me vocally. Um, and once we got, uh, once we got to California, I was still having issues. So I continued to visit uh, specialists in whatever area we were in just so that I could get through work. And each specialist uh, prescribed for me prednisone, the steroid, um, to help deal with some of the inflammation I was experiencing on my vocal cords. Mm-hmm. I was on prednisone for about two and a half months at a very high dose. Um, and so maybe about two towards the end of like the two and a half months, I began experiencing like these other symptoms that just started out of nowhere, like the extreme hunger and extreme thirst and the constant urination and exhaustion, which okay. is just awful when you're doing a show like the Lion King, because what you need most is energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't, pay much attention to it i just noticed that i was feeling off but what really got me to um uh to visit a a, a urgent care physician in california was i just looked in the mirror one day and i was like wow i look really gaunt mm-hmm. i didn't even i hadn't even noticed that over the course of three weeks i'd lost like 30 pounds okay um wow. and that scared the hell out of me so i ran to the uh urgent care doctor that day and he said he's he, tested my glucose and he suspected that I had steroid induced type two diabetes. Interesting. And suggested I go to the emergency room. I was like, well, I can't do that. I have a show in like two hours. Um, (laughs) But we'll we'll just, he gave me prescribed metformin for me. So I began taking the metformin and two weeks later, I still wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling any better. Mm -hmm. Um, So I spoke with my mom and she uh, suggested that I, I come to New Orleans and visit her doctor and get a, a, a formal checkup. Right. And at that point, I, she told instruct that physician instructed me to go to the emergency room. Thir- I can't. So I'm looking at you, but I'm only looking at you from like chest up. But you look like a bigger person. 30 pounds. How, where were you when you lost 30 pounds? How much did you weigh? I was uh, typically like between 175, 180. Wow. You went down to like a a teenager's weight. Yeah. How tall are you? Six two. Oh, my goodness. You must yeah, have broken so I, F almost. <laughs> I was looking like Skeletor. No and out there trying. It, ha- it, ha- it happens so fast. I know that's a drastic amount of weight, but I mean, when it when it falls off so quickly. You don't see I don't it. Think, yeah, you don't see it. Yeah. I, I can only see Arden uh, in a couple of photos and then think, how was it possible that we didn't notice that she yeah. lost weight, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, when I look back at photos of me, like we take a lot of photos, we clown a lot backstage. Mm-hmm. So I definitely looked ill. I did not look well at all. At some point, someone had to make the joke that you look like the weak gazelle and the lion was definitely going to get you. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> well, you know, the dancers can be a little sick in that. They, you know, the ballerina body and everyone wants to be slim. And so they're like, work, you look, you look oh. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I look amazing, but I feel like I'm going to pass out. <laughs> right. <laughs> really, that's terrible, man. It really is. Uh, especially, too, because I can see a bunch of things coming into your head. At 38, I mean, you're in an amazing shape, obviously. You're I the only thing on me that is built like you is like one of my fingers. They're pretty thin. And so like you're <laughs> you're you're in great shape. But but I think my bigger point is that at thirty-eight, do you start thinking, Am I getting older? Like is this just time coming after me or you know? Yeah, that that was definitely a thought. Like, you know, maybe maybe my metabolism is slowing down, maybe my endurance is slowing down. Like I I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what was going on. I just started taking more vitamins in that moment, hoping that it would help. Just using, I realize you've been in other things, but just using Lion King, what's the, what's the time frame? You arrive when, how long does the show run? How long are you actually on stage? We arrive at the show a half hour before um, the curtain goes up. Mm-hmm. And that gives us enough time to like, warm up, stretch, vocalize. Uh, put on makeup and wardrobe for the show. Mm. And the show runs for two hours and 40 minutes. Okay. So it's a, it's a long show. And I'm assuming you're walking probably to the, to the theater and then there's, there's just mm-hmm. a lot of activity and then there's a lot of, yes. And then yes. you're out there doing what you're doing and everything's, I, I, so is it, is it a height? So I tried to figure this out um, because I obviously, we've been to a number of shows in my life, not just a couple, but a lot. And it's interesting if you hang around a little bit or you're having lunch across the street afterwards or something, you'll see the performers just roll out the back door. Mm-hmm. And it's no different than if you hang out at a baseball game long enough in the parking lot, eventually you will see 40 right. guys walking to their cars, you know, leaving the yes. game. Um, and, and I use my son as an example. Like when he's like, they're so loose in the dugout when it's not their turn to do something. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's like work time and you just, something comes over them. So now I'm imagining that behind the curtain, there are just a bunch of foolish people making nonsense, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden it's time to roll out on stage and do your thing. Is it sort of like that? That is the most accurate description oh, okay. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's For fun. sure. That is very fun. Now it makes me wonder what those Rockettes are doing during the Christmas show. <laughs> I mean, it's just madness backstage. I mean, the real show happens behind the curtain, yeah, for sure. That sounds really interesting. There is an absolutely wicked thunderstorm going on outside of my house right now. So if I suddenly get whisked away, out of respect to me and what I've given, don't forget to go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to get yourself a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump sent directly to your door. Why do you want to do that? Well, perhaps you've been thinking of changing pumps. That's one reason. Maybe you're taking injections or have a pen right now and you want a pump, but you don't know which pump to get. The Omnipod is, besides my daughter's pump for many, many, many years, the only company that will send you a demo to your home so that you can try it on and wear it to see if you like it before making a commitment. That's pretty damn good, isn't it? Try before you buy. No obligation whatsoever. Right to your door. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. Now, when their package arrives, when your demo pod gets to the house, I'm saying, you're going to be able to wear it wherever you want. 
take a shower, sleep, frolic, whatever that means to you. Maybe do your, uh, your gyrations, your working out, however you stay in the fitness and see, well, this is what my pod would be like if I had this. And you've got a really good idea of, you know, what you're in for. And I think what you're in for is tubeless, wireless insulin pumping, being able to set temp basils and extended boluses from a little handheld device, bang, bang, just like that. And Omnipod stands behind their stuff. Customer service there is astoundingly good. And I have found that to be true for Arden's entire life with diabetes. Arden has had an Omnipod since she was four years old. She's going to be 16 this summer. And I don't call, if I have a customer service issue, I don't call Omnipod and be like, hi, it's me, Scott, from the podcast. Please give me extra good service. That's not how that works. I call in like everybody else, and I get the same great service that everybody else gets. I don't think I can say enough great things about the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. And at the very least, it is worth a shot. Check out the free no obligation demo. Now, you've got yourself an Omnipod, kind of projecting into the future. You've got yourself an Omnipod, but you really want a Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor to round out the package, right? You want to be able to give yourself insulin in a timely way, in a discreet way, but you'd also like to know when that would be a good idea. You want to see your trends. Am I 89 and rising, 89 stable, 89 falling? All different situations. The Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor can give you that information. That's the kind of data that comes back constantly to your iPhone or Android or to a Dexcom receiver if you don't want to use it with your cell phone. But if you have it on your phone, well, that opens things up, doesn't it? Imagine your child off at school or at a playground you know, when we're allowed to go to playgrounds again, and you're at home or out in the parking lot doing whatever it is you're doing. I'm thinking playing like word, words with friends, probably trying to avoid little kids at a park, but that's not the point. You're anywhere you want to be and you can see a loved one's blood sugars. What speed, what direction. It's amazing. Anywhere. A person using Dexcom can share their blood sugars with up to 10 people if they want to. It's really excellent. That's like a school nurse, a mom, a dad, a grandmom, a best friend, your neighbor, whoever. It's up to you. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Get started with the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor today. Okay, I didn't get blown out the window, but the storm is raging and I was here very bravely recording this ad. So, you know, check out the advertisers. There are links at juiceboxpodcast.com right there in your podcast player. Of course, you can just type them into your browser myomnipod.com forward slash juice box and dexcom.com forward slash juice box. All right, let's get back to Kyle, his amazingly deep voice and hear the rest of his story. When you're diagnosed five years ago and the metformin and all that goes away, you're down with your mom. It, actually, it's interesting in Louisiana that, that you found, I mean, not it, it's how am I saying this? I, when I ask people for a doctor, when I ask people for <laughs> recommendations for great doctors, there are uh -huh. some parts of the country I get less recommendations from. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Um, yes. And so I'm, I'm just wondering. She obviously your mom had a real good feeling about this doctor. He sees you, mm -hmm. or she sees you. You have type one diabetes. Then what's the next step? What do you do next? Uh, it's hospitalized for two days um and given the instruction about like you know how to inject insulin and uh, um and released sent out into the world to 
That's it. Get my new life with type one diabetes. Yeah. Did you put on any weight in the hospital? Yeah, my weight came back immediately. Um, uh, I probably gained back all of the weight I lost in just as fast as I dropped it. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, and, and my body was just starving for yeah. those nutrients. And once the insulin got in, it was able to to process it, do what it was supposed to do again. Did, yeah, is it? Have you looked back yet and thought, "Wow, I was almost dead"? Did you have you had that thought? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I I'm, I mean, I could remember, like, after the show, I'd be so exhausted. Like, I would have to sit in my dressing room for... And the last thing we want to do is hang out in the theater after the show. We just want to get out and just do right. whatever we do after the show. But I would literally have to sit in my dressing room for sometimes two hours, just gain enough strength to, like, put on my pants and wash, my, wash the makeup off of my face and walk to the hotel room across the street. It... it, it it Good was job. definitely the close. I know I was really close to dying. Yeah. Especially sure. when your body starts giving away like that. Mm-hmm. And, and the weight loss waste, is such a big Wasting deal. away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, Cause it starts getting into your muscles and before you know it, I don't know. It's just, it's terrible. I look back at Arden sometimes and I think how close were we? And, you know, the doctors mm-hmm. put a number on it, but you know, they're guessing, but still they thought, yeah. they thought she'd be in a coma in another 24 hours. Yeah. Like when we brought her in and I was like, how did you get the Louisiana? You didn't drive in that condition. Did you? No, we flying was a thing. You know, before the <laughs> pandemic, I was like on a plane like three, at least three, maybe four times a month. Yeah, yeah, I, I get these notes now. They're like, hey, "You'll come speak at this thing," and I'm like, uh, "Maybe, <laughs> maybe I will." Could I do it through like Zoom or something? Or <laughs> right now, I'm driving everywhere. Can you wrap me in plastic and put me on the plane? Because then I'll do it. You know, just don't want to get sick. Uh, meanwhile, it's probably going to be fine. But you know. I don't know. The whole world seems like it's going crazy right now. I guess for context, for time, you and I are talking uh, towards the end of COVID-19 while people are starting to go back and in the mm-hmm. middle of the um, the George Floyd riots. So, right. yeah, everything's fascinating times in which we live. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just encapsulated by it for the last couple of days, just, you know, trying to wrap your head around everyone's perspective yeah, and, uh, it's so clear how where where everyone lands. And mm-hmm. You just think like, how are these things going to find common out? Together. You know, yeah, it's really it's really ridiculous. To anyway. say the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it is ridiculous, right? Because you see somebody, you know, you see see protests that are, that seem well organized and intended. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, that's right. And then four hours later, some guys like. You know, I could probably just piggyback off this and get myself a pair of sneakers. And yeah. and then it becomes crazy and someone thinks to light something on fire and you're like, what is, what are you thinking? You, you know? Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Is- yeah, here uh, they really, they really went off in New York City and uh, hit all of the high-end shops. <laughs> my my <laughs> daughter, Arden comes running down last night. She goes, you should see what they're ripping off in, uh, in Hollywood. <laughs> She's like, she's like, a lot of people are gonna have great handbags, and it's so sad. Like, it really is. Yeah. I, I, I was listening to um, a family member of uh, Mr. Floyd's, and he said he would not want people doing this. And yeah, you know, like you just, it, the whole thing's heartbreaking. I don't even know how to, you know, it, it, it really is. Yeah. But yeah, to have people, um, like you said, piggybacking off of this moment, um, off of the protest, and using it as an opportunity to cause chaos is um 
or to it's, put it's pretty un yeah or to put any other thing in motion that i'll tell you and i know this isn't why you're on but it's just so timely at the moment i saw a person make the point last night that the rioting is a far left conspiracy to keep small businesses closed and i was like what wow so wait you're telling me that somebody went to minneapolis found a guy willing to murder someone with his knee and said, yo, we really need to keep the small businesses closed. The next time you pull over a black guy, could you kill him for me? Like, like who, that, who thinks that way? That's deep. <laughs> well, it's deep crazy is what it is. And I was like, I'm like, that's, that's, uh, I mean, I guess the next question is how much of this did the Illuminati have to do with? And I was, I just, I, I backed away slowly and I was like, that's enough internet for today. Um <laughs> But anyway, uh, it really was fascinating. What's the impact on your day-to-day life right now? Is is there any, or are you just hiding inside, waiting to go back to work like everybody else? Um, I'm just hiding inside, waiting to go back to work like everyone else. And yeah. I'm, I'm here in New Orleans at the moment with my mom, mm. who has a lot of like underlying conditions. So I've been making it a point to like continue quarantining not seeing any of my friends that lived here uh, and if we do it's like in outside spaces where you know, social properly social where we social distancing um, yeah. properly and just making sure i don't bring anything home to my mom but um i mean of course i'm affected by all of the protests um, just watching what's happening um uh, on the news it's it's troubling to see yeah but you know, it, it's definitely something. I, I, the protests would—it's definitely something that's needed. Um, there's so much pain and suffering happening right now, and it's just like the perfect storm with um, with George, with George Floyd and uh, Ahmad Arbery, and then there's the situation in Central Park. You know, and couple of that with like all of the suffering um, from the pandemic and people losing their jobs and not having ways to like provide food for their families right. um i guess nerves were just really frayed and it's a powder keg it really is yeah. i kept thinking Am- mm-hmm. ahmad was that he was the guy that was jogging right yeah he yeah, was yeah. jogging and mm-hmm. yeah i just kept thinking as this was going on i was like at some point there's a tipping point in here and we're gonna yeah. find it you, you know um mm-hmm. and it's just horrible it's horrible and i have to say i 100 agree with you at some point you have to protest. Like you have to go mm-hmm. out in the street. You have to yell and scream. Yeah, I mean, I, you shouldn't be. I mean, first of all, if you're going to steal, don't steal from a Dollar General. I, because <laughs> what are you risking getting locked up for? For like a squishy ball and a cup that like holds a lot of drink. Right. You know what I mean? A like Debbie cake. Yeah, yeah. Try to try a little harder than that, I guess. But <laughs> seriously, they're coming out, and I'm like, what could you need out of there? Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, well, uh, well, they were but, definitely successful in, in, with that in New York yeah. and in L.A. on Melrose Place. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is just awful, though. You can't just keep it, it can, things like this cannot continue to happen, and we just act like, oh, yay. This is the thing that happens every six months. Yeah. You know, this happens. Yeah. I do think it's good that the news is, hasn't really been distracted uh, with their messaging about what the protests are about as a result of like all the fires that have been set and the stores that are being looted. You know, they're still they, they're reporting that, you know, especially NYPD is already it's reported that. You know, they know for sure that there are outside influences, you know, uh, sort of 
uh, antagonizing the situation. And, you know, but it was, was George Floyd is still like the center of oh, yeah. the protest. So I, 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 I heard I that. I think too. that's a beautiful thing. Me too. I, and I, I had heard that too. I'm sorry. I stepped on you there, but, um, so this, when this happens, when people see protesting, then other groups can say, Hey, listen, if we send some people in there to cause trouble, they're going to blame those minorities for that. And mm-hmm. perfect, you know, and right. it, it really is. Um, some people's minds work very deviously in a way that uh, uh, I don't, I can't appreciate. You, you, you yeah. know? So uh, I just, I'm one of those, like, I guess I'm crazy. I think just go do what you're doing, do a good job at it. That'll work out. And, you know, and if mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't work out for everybody. Keep going. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, Seems like life to me, but anyway, and it was interesting what you said before about wanting to be out a little bit, but not wanting to bring, bring something back to your mom because she's got underlying issues. But also if you looked at a lot of the deaths, uh, being black was not a great thing for having COVID-19. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and is that something community wide that people are aware of and is it discussed? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know here in New Orleans, um, I have uh, family, distant family members that uh, contracted the, the, the uh, COVID-19. And I mean, h- households that lost their lives, like a mother and two siblings, mm. um, uh, my mom's uh, first cousins, uh, so the distant relatives to me. But yeah, personally, we know and friends of my mom's that lost their lives so it's 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 definitely been so the effects of it have definitely been felt right so when when broadway opens back up which there's no timeline for that yet is there it's shooting for december but no it's a it's a it's a touchy situation would you be able to go back if it was december like for you in your heart personally I want to, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm hoping that things, uh, I mean, I definitely would not do it if, um, as the, as the way things are now, mm-hmm. but you know, if, if there's a vaccine or if the, if the virus seems to take a break, uh, in, in the coming months, then I will definitely consider it. I mean, mm-hmm. I love my job. I love what I do and to not be able to do it, uh, is, uh, it's a bit nerve wracking, but I'm picturing a lot of like paunchy gazelles jumping behind. <laughs> Some people have been on the sofa a little too long in those first couple shows. I think, mommy, does that does, does that lion look tired to you? <laughs> he, he does, sweetie. <laughs> He's been in his mom's house for a while. <laughs> Can't get out much. Oh my gosh! What? How much um, effort would it take to put you back into physical shape to perform? Um, well, I, I just, I recently, about a month ago, I started working out again because sitting on the couch is definitely, uh, taking effect. Um, <laughs> your mom's probably cooking better than they do wherever you oh, live. Oh, yes, <laughs> most definitely. So just been stretching and, and working out at home. And so I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting in pretty good shape. Yeah. I, I was talking to my son the other day because he should be, he should have been playing baseball through the spring. And then he gets a little break and then he goes and plays in the summer. And I said to him, I was like, you got to, and he's working out sporadically, but he's like, it's hard to just without a goal, he's like, you can do maintenance stuff. But when, you know, I have tasks I perform and I know how to work out to support those tasks. And he's like, and I do the workout and then I don't have the, 
the other side of it is like it's it's kind of it feels useless a little bit mm-hmm. um that's interesting it really is interesting but basketball yeah, games look- are going to be much more lower scoring by the time this is all over. <laughs> lebron's going to be out the there least. like whoa slow down <laughs> <laughs> i mean the wake-up call for me was I, I tried to put on a pair of jeans uh, a few weeks ago and i was like oh mm-hmm. well um, in the very beginning my- oh, i'm sorry all of my clothes are like basically the same size, so unless you don't I have any choice. Shopping, I <laughs> I need to do something about this. You need to be hanging out in Louisiana in your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I tried to when this all happened in the beginning. I looked at myself and I was like, Scott, you cannot afford to gain any weight. So I just sort of went the other way. I've lost eleven pounds since COVID nineteen started for you. because I was nice, just like, nice. I'm like, I'm gonna have to like willfully go backwards or i'm gonna you know i don't know what'll happen because trust me i can't dance and uh, i can't (laughs) can't hit a baseball either so uh i'd I'd be in a bit of trouble uh when you left the hospital was it injections a pen did they give you a glucose monitor how did all that go uh pen uh hemolog pen and um lace um oh my god i'm losing uh it was the hemolog pen and Lantus for your slow acting. Lantus. Yeah. Are you on a pump acting. now, or do you still inject? I'm on a, I'm on a pump and a glucose monitor. Okay. What Dexcom. do you use? Mm-hmm. You use Dexcom. What what pump do you have? Mm-hmm. Uh, Omnipod. Omnipod. Look at you. You're right for this show. All right. Uh, <laughs> or I'm <not> twinsies. <laughs> you certainly are. <laughs> Except, trust me, she uh she can't sing. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know my my pump. I lost you, Kyle. Good, I'm going. Yeah, all of a sudden you were like my pump, and then you were just gone. So, yeah, my, my pump actually uh, malfunctioned uh, about two weeks ago. The PDM so go, or the or the your PDM? Pump. Oh, okay. So I had to go back to uh, the pins uh, to to add. So uh, luckily, I had um, the pins, Humalog pins, and the Lantis pins on me, and I'm surprised. You, I have to thank you so much, really, honestly, because you have. Just given me, I feel like it might be like two years ago. I was introduced to podcasts, it's just researching, just looking for like more information on how to better take care of myself. And it was, uh, <laughs> oh, that's so sorry. Oh, uh, who is that? That is a it's lovely basil. Dog. What's the name? Basil. Basil, like Arden's basil. Exactly. Basil. Ba- exactly. Uh-huh. Like if I if I have to think about bolusing and basiling, at least it's going to bring a smile to my it face. It might as well be an adorable dog. That's one hundred percent true. I know that makes me happier when I see him running around and I have this word attached to something else. But I can't believe that basil would bark in the middle of you saying something amazing about me. So let's not overlook that. How, how dare he? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, you really just gave me like the the push I needed to begin making decisions for with regard to my health and insulin therapy and uh, and just all of it. In I'm term, so glad. And it's it's been great because it was at that point when I heard you know being bold with insulin. I'm like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just listening to you talk about, like, your experience with helping Arlen, um, 
yeah, it just gave me the push I need to just make some necessary changes. With well, regard to I appreciate care. knowing that. Thank you for sharing that with me. What was what was your life like outcomes wise prior to that those first three years, I guess? Oh, it was just a constant yo-yo. Okay. Um, like I would go I would go to work and make sure that my glucose was really high because I knew that by the end of work I would be crashing. Um, so it was no real control. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying to get through, get through the show. Mm -hmm. And the only way I knew to do that was to just let myself go high. Otherwise I would be crashing by intermission. I see. I see. How high did you have to come in at to make it through? About 210. Okay. Um, and then the effort. And so was that, that was with pens too, right? And that was with pens for the for six months into my diagnosis, and then I moved over to the pump. Okay, so you still had your settings were off far enough with the pump still that you. So what do you do now to get ready? Is it uh, do you temp back your basal rates? I temp back my basal rates. If I'm um, if I'm if I'm around a hundred, I'll cut my pot off completely for like an hour because mm -hmm. um, activity will usually, and I'm not not eating, so the activity will usually sustain me yeah um and i'll still need a snack by intermission to keep from crashing okay um but yeah i definitely have a, a better system in play a healthier system because I, I i would not have last doing that oh just a small portion of your check when you go back in december you just send it to the house i'll take it don't worry for some tickets <laughs> just tickets maybe would be more reasonable no i'm like that's seriously that's that's really amazing um do you, can you, I guess was my question. Can you describe to me, we, have you ever been performing and felt yourself going low? What do you do in that situation? Um, it, that's another thing, like the stress of like going low and having to drop out of scenes and having stage management. So when something happens in that show, it's like, a, a it's, it's it's just starts like a whole wrecking ball of like mm -hmm. different departments needing to if I drop out of a scene and stage management has to be contacted and they have to notify the sound department, which has to notify the wardrobe department in order to get another actor ready. And um, I just at times I was going low a lot and right. I have to drop out of scenes a lot. And I just really felt like I was affecting the show in a horrible way. Although Disney was, they were very, really wonderful about it all and making me feel, they, they were more concerned about my safety. But mm -hmm. me personally, I just felt like I was destroying the integrity of the show at, at times. And at some point, it's got to be in the back of your head, like, they're not going to put up with this forever. Right. You, exactly. you know, like at some point, they're going to say, look, we need, we need some consistency here from you. And we're sorry mm -hmm. about your health problems, but... You know, yeah. this is a specific job. Well, I'm glad that that didn't end up being the case. And uh, yeah, they, I, I'm really grateful to them. They were, I mean, it took it took me a while to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So they had dealt with this for a few, maybe a year. Wow. Um, so they they were really they were really patient and understanding about me learning how to use this new technology that I'm using now. That's lovely. Uh, you said that you made some adjustments to your diet. Can you walk me through what you did? Well, um, not adjustments as far as uh, being diagnosed was concerned. A few years before um, I was diagnosed, I began eating this plant-based diet. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, that's 
that's I'm a, I, I consume a totally plant-based diet and I do believe that that has aided me a lot um, with regard to being able to to gain control okay but the stuff you learned on the podcast applies just as well to plant-based as it does to prior yeah right yeah okay. I mean because food still I mean it affects your, your glucose so right. Yeah. It, it, even greens. So, I mean, it'd be at minimal, but they still have effect. It's funny. There are some, there are some vegetables that have more carbs in them than you would, than oh, you yes. would venture to guess, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I'm always interested when people, uh, in, you know, in the beginning, we start talking to them. They're so bad. I'm sorry for everybody listening, but you guys are so bad at like guessing carbs for, for foods. And it's always, <laughs> I don't understand. I did the right thing. It's such a confirmation bias. Like I counted right. So I'll stop thinking about that portion of it. It's something else. It's the diabetes fairy coming to get me. You know what I mean? And, and I'm like, no, it's just, you, you know, did you not count all this here or the fat or the protein? Like that's stuff that no one tells you to think about really. And, uh, in in the beginning, maybe, maybe for that entire year, I was probably giving myself, uh, um, I, I was, Dosing for 15 grams, regardless what was on my plate. That was just your go-to. That was my go-to. Yeah. Now I've, I've seen people do that. I, I, my go-to for art is 50. (laughs) Just always like, if it's too much, we'll figure it out later, but we're not going to have it be too little. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) Because too little just starts too little happened today. So, you know, you and I were supposed to record a little earlier and I had a hiccup in my day, which left me out of the house when Arden had breakfast. And Kelly did a pretty good job with her helping her with, you know, the overall amount of insulin, but their pre-bolus wasn't good enough. And uh, so it started shooting up. I got home. I fixed, you know, I worked on fixing it, but it's now I'm looking at a graph I can see. We're like three hours into this. Now we stopped it at 200 and now she's more like 150 and she'll be back again. So our, you know, our meal disasters aren't maybe the same as other people's sometimes, but still, it was all still the same problem. It was it, she used the right amount of insulin at the wrong time. The food got ahead of her, and now suddenly we're we're scampering to put more in that isn't too much, and and then it ruins a I don't want it ruins a gap of her day. It it now makes you think about diabetes for three hours, yeah. you know, instead of just getting it in at the right time and being done with it. So. Um, well, that, that was another thing that I got from you, just pre-bolusing. I mean, what a game changer that was, mm. or that has been, I should say. Yeah, just putting the putting the insulin in a in a position to to have a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, is all you're doing, right? That's very cool. That's excellent. Um, you're helping a lot of people, Scott. I really hope you uh, you get that and oh. you realize how important, informative the work you're doing is. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Um, I was going to say that uh, Kyle met, so Kyle was introduced to me by Sam, and those of you who will remember, uh, I think, what is her episode called? Sam is the Robin Hood of type, I don't know. There's something <laughs> about, I really, I know, I'm sorry about how I named the episodes. But anyway, so Sam is um, <laughs> Sam is uh, is a person who's just amazing at, at, at handling like kind of stuff you would never think about, like with insurance companies and, and hammering on them for, to help people and stuff like that. So Sam reached out and said, you know, Kyle wants to be on the show. And I just thought she knew you. And that was like, I was like, great. But she goes, 
he he loves the show and i was like that's not true because then i got like i felt a little giddy you know i was like (laughs) you know and and i was like that's that's really cool i thought she was just being polite at first (laughs) when when you texted me i told you it's so weird i'm like listening to you right now and now you're texting (laughs) i have to admit that when you said that i felt weird too so we were both uncomfortable (laughs) different (laughs) it's like i was like i i see the downloads but you know i i I had a conversation with a woman last night for five minutes who's thinking about coming on the show to talk about something touchy and difficult and she wanted to talk a little first and she started telling me about how the podcast helped her. And it's hard to know how to respond, honestly. Like, I appreciate it, and I, I feel it. I really do. Um, but it's, do you know what? It's strange to have so many people saying something similar to you, and and you feel it every time. But if I really let myself, I'd start crying. Like, you could have made me cry. If you would have went a little longer just now, I would have been like, Kyle's doing better, and he gets to dance now. You, you know, like, and. Scott, you did that. And, you know, like I, I could easily fall apart. I'm a very emotional person. So I, I have to kind of hold it back a little bit. Or I, I literally, I can't cry every time somebody sends a note. Um, but it, it almost happens to me a lot. And my family <laughs> makes fun of me, Kyle, when it happens, just so you know. They're like, there he is. He looks weepy. And <laughs> it's unpleasant for me, is what I'm saying. I don't know, having a positive impact on people's lives can be an emotional thing for sure. No, I, I appreciate that. I really do. But and you're are do you have a uh, an organization that you started? Yes, yes. Um, it's called uh, Kyler Cares. We founded it uh, a year ago, um, and then our our goal is to raise funds for insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors for kids living with type one diabetes, especially kids coming from uh, marginalized communities. Okay, and you're and so you're hoping to. You have an organization you'd like to bring money in and then turn that money back around to people to get them devices that that they can't afford. You know, it's incredibly odd that you say that. And if if you'll allow me one second to look here, I just had a really lovely phone call with a woman named Rebecca the other day. And I went out on a limb there saying her name out loud before I checked the email because, you know, you listen to this podcast enough. I really i'm not good with names um but yes rebecca i got it right from something called the fincher foundation and she has a foundation that's doing the exact same thing wow and it sounds like and you know and it sounds like she's pretty successful at it so i can uh i can maybe make an introduction for you if you want to pick brains or or anything like that ever let me know um because it's it's something that most of you don't know and i don't really know how you would but well prior to the podcast, when I realized that the blog was really popular and I wanted to do something good with it, I hadn't considered the podcast yet. And I had forms in my hand to start an, like a 501c3 because I, I, with the same idea as you, I thought, I wonder if I could help people pay for pumps and, and glucose monitors. And then I got overwhelmed by the process. So kudos to you for sticking to it because it about halfway through looking at those forms, I was like, oh, boy. Maybe I'm not the right person for this. <laughs> it's overwhelming. Uh, it, the funny thing about starting a new venture is, you know, you have all these grandiose ideas until you realize the process, it, what it takes to actually see it through. Mm-hmm. So um, unluckily for me, I announced 
this idea um, at a convention with like 3,000 people there before I even like looked into what it would take to start it. So, <laughs> you know what Kyle's gonna do? <laughs> well, now you have to. Where you got to go find all 3,000 of those people and be like, Shh, listen, don't tell anybody about what I said. <laughs> <laughs> do you have space online that I can look at? Uh, I do. It's uh, kylercares.org. K-Y-L-E-R-C-A-R-E-S.org. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, let me take a look. Yeah, we were um we were having we we're we we're planning on having our uh first fundraiser concert here in New Orleans um in August. Mm-hmm. Uh tapping into Broadway community, just uh, connecting with a bunch of friends of mine that perform in shows like Book of Mormon and Kinky Boots and Lion King, of course. Right. Um uh, Hamilton, and they were all coming down to perform in New Orleans for the concert uh, called From Broadway with Love. Had the uh, the theater space donated as a 2,800-seat theater, uh, the Sanger Theater. It's where all the Broadway shows perform when they travel here. Mm-hmm. Uh, donated the space, um, uh, and we we're just all ready to go. Speaking with Vanessa Williams about headlining, um, and then COVID happened. So now we're... And then a bat <laughs> spit on a pangolin, and now you can't, or whatever happened, and now you're done. Well, yeah. would you, would, so we're transitioning that to like an online um, concert. Okay. I, I hope you get to do it in person one day, too, because that, that sounds really lovely. I, what was the idea? Were you going to put on small portions of productions, or... Um, we're, uh, performing love songs from some of the most beloved, uh, musicals around. Oh, that's really nice. See, I want to see that. All right. That should happen live still. Uh, we're going to get to a point. I would love to see you do that live. Uh, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll definitely share the link here for people to, uh, check it out and donate if they can. KylerCares.org. And uh, the teddy bear is really adorable. <laughs> so that's the first thing that caught my eye. I was like, I like how it feels like it's hanging a little bit. It's, it's really <laughs> Or up straight. I can't decide what I feel like it's doing. But uh, one way or the other, it's a t-shirt. It should be if it's not. <laughs> it is a t-shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice. So how do you plan on finding people who need the help? Well, I've been... With Lion King, we do a lot of outreach um, uh, throughout the years. So I was already connected to Children's Hospital. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so I just reached out to them and that's when I really began to understand like how grave the situation is, especially I'm in communities of color. Um, uh, just people with T1D from communities of colors, they're frequently using pumps and CGMs. They lack access to the technology because of finances or they're underinsured. They frequently perform glucose testing they um they have less contact with management staff there's a difficulty relating to staff because of socio-economical and cultural differences so there's just a whole slew of problems that um that antagonize a really bad situation did you ever by any chance hear me when i spoke to anthony anderson and um i asked him if culturally it's just one of those things like oh i got it and now whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Like, this is my lot in life. I have diabetes. Is that is that 
a, f- a function of everything you just said, of not having good information or someone who can talk to you, you know, where you can, where you can listen. Totally. And I, I don't even think that it's a conscious choice that people are making just to disregard mm-hmm. their situation. It's just uh, the cards they've been dealt and they don't have the resources and or the information to, you know, tackle it properly. Right. Yeah, it's it's so interesting that it's no different than any other thing. And so yesterday, my son, who I have to admit is a really good kid and is not getting a lot of trouble, he went to visit some friends um, and parked somewhere and got his car towed. And he called me, and nothing like that had ever happened to him. And he said, he's like, my car got towed. And I said, well, get it back. <laughs> you, you know, like, like I just figured it out, man. You're 20. You're a pretty bright kid and get the damn car back, you know? And um, it was interesting to watch him work his way through it because there were just simple ideas or concepts, tools that he didn't have. And when he when he reached into his mind, he just, there was no, there was no function for this problem. And mm-hmm. it's, it stopped him. And so I said, okay, here's what you're going to do. You know, first thing I want you to do is go back to where you parked the car. See if there's any signs there to indicate who might have towed your car. If not, we're going to call the police department. Don't call 911. Call the uh, the non-emergency line. Ask them. And then I gave him tools. Then he went off, did it, no problem. Came right back and said, and it, as you're talking about it, I don't see any difference between that and a health thing. Someone's put you into a situation that you just don't have, you don't have a tool for, and your imagination can't find it because it just doesn't, it doesn't know from it, you, you yes. know? And then that's it. And the healthcare system is, it's impossible to navigate. So, um, yeah, that yeah. just makes that, that makes, I mean, I, it's even when I have to reach out to, um, my insurance and figure out like, you know, who's paying for what and, you know, who do I have to contact for certain things that I need? It, it's, it can be really challenging and it also consumes a lot of time. Yeah. I can see very simply people going from all those questions that they don't have answers to, to, you know what? They gave me the insulin. I've got the needles. Right. Let me just do this. And and that's it. And then, and then whatever it is going to be is going to be. And I mean, it's very unlikely. Like you think about the things that you've learned listening to the podcast and you think about how long it took me, like what a, what a weird situation I was in to even be able to do what I did. I was a stay at home parent. I got put in charge of a small child I had time. I had, you know, resources. The the resources kind of fell apart. And for people who are wondering, what we're describing happens to other people. It happened to me, too. I didn't walk into some magical doctor's office who was like, here's the things you're going to do. You know, and and we live in a a place with a good health care system, and we were at a good institution. And still, it wasn't like they laid it all out for me. We struggled for years. And had I not started the blog... And felt some compunction to make the blog more than just, hey, diabetes sucks, right? You, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I even would have ever helped Arden. And so every, we all can't have that, those, I don't know, circumstances that allow us that kind of time to get to something. You know, it's it's some, somebody needs to step in and say, hey, listen, I want you to get your basal right. Then I want you to pre-bolus. Then I want you to do this. And when this happens, do that. And then... You learn it as you go. I just, uh, it makes sense to me. Honestly, like you said, having the time to do it. I know I worked for, uh, I, the only time I took off from work 
after my diagnosis was maybe the three days I was hospitalized. Then I worked for a year, uh, just going through the motions, you know, just trying to survive with this new pump and, you know, insulin injections and figuring out, you know, living, walking around most of the day with exorbitantly high glucose numbers. Right. Um, but I, after a year of that, I took a year off just because I just needed to reset mm-hmm. and figure out what was going on with me. Um, that's when I was uh, introduced to podcasts. And that's really when I had the time to just study and figure out, you know, how to better take care of myself. Yeah. I understand when I get notes sometimes from people and they're like, can you just point me to the couple of episodes I need? And I'm like, eh, it's not that easy, you know? Um, I'm like, and I, I think just take some, you know, take 20 hours and listen to these and that should get you going. I don't have time for that. And I think I understand, like, I understand that you don't feel like you have time, but if you listen, it's going to create so much extra time for you. Like, but not everyone's even like, I'm assuming you, what'd you do? Did you go home for that year? I did. I came to New Orleans. Yeah. Some support. Somebody was there to like, to help you out. Yeah. Yeah. And to to your fact, uh, at the top of the podcast, um, where I received care at Oshner Hospital, and they're actually making, since COVID uh, hit New Orleans as hard as it has, they've actually uh, been in the press a lot. Um, but I, I was surprised as well that uh, my caregivers here, my endocrinology team at Oshner Hospital, uh, was, was so, what's the word I'm looking for? They... They've been so helpful and so good, and mm-hmm. I'm surprised that they are as forward-thinking as they are with regard to treating diabetes. That's excellent. Now, I'm always excited when I hear that there are institutions that are out on the edge and and mm-hmm. leaning into good ideas because yeah. it's the only and, way. And it's I, you know, I I also have uh, because I've been I spend part of my time here in New Orleans and part of my time in New York. I also have uh, doctors in New York mm-hmm. that uh, I, I endocrinology team in New York that I work with as well. And I find that the doctors in New Orleans, surprisingly, are a bit more knowledgeable. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, everybody likes to say, you know, if something done like that, go to the city, go to Manhattan. That's where right. I get it right. You know, but a good doctor can live anywhere. That's the first thing. But, yeah. and having the, having the the nerve to not be so institutional that you're more worried about not being wrong than about helping somebody is, is a big right. deal. You know, it really is. Well, um, that's an interesting story, man. It, it really is. I'm glad I did this actually uh, by uh, mentioning current events, you got your podcast moved up six months on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go out this week instead of like, you know, at Christmas. <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't want six months from now people going, wait, what's, what, he- what's COVID-19? <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be beautiful if that's where we are in six months. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I don't know how to wonder what's going to happen, but I do know that I I completely side with what you're saying about being frightened to just go get sick. And then there's the other side of me that thinks of it on a macro level. And I'm like, we got to get going. Like, you, you know, like, we all can't sit around like this. You're seeing what's happening. You let people sit around, and not make money for a few more months and, yeah. and see it. It'll take a lot less to set, set them off, you know, and, and I don't know where it goes from there. It's, it's, I, I always wonder too, how it feels for people who live in more remote places 
to flip on the news and see something happening in Boston and Philly and New York. Like, does it feel like another world to them or because to me, it feels like it could be at my house at any second because that's how close I am. Yeah. You know, it, I, I imagine something, you know, it's been pretty quiet here in New Orleans. So mm-hmm. we, we haven't been affected by like the, the riots and the looting. There's been some protests, but it's been all, all relatively peaceful and calm and not really a lot of numbers. But I, I guess that's how people felt when when the quarantine first began, um, like certain areas wasn't really being affected. And so they were wondering, oh, why, why should I shut down in Idaho? Right. And we don't have there darn any depths here. Yeah. We're not experiencing what New York City and, and California are experiencing. So I had a, a talk set up in Wisconsin as this was all going down in the second week of March. And they were still like, no, you're coming. And it was like the 26th of March. I'm like, no, there won't be airplanes on the 26th of March. And they did not know what I was talking about. And then all of a sudden, one day, somebody got sick in Wisconsin. And then they figured it out real quick. you know. And, and I was like, that's it's really interesting how that happens. I always go back to, in my mind, my brother grew up here on the East Coast with us, but he moved to Wisconsin. And I took that Wisconsin gig partly because I could see my brother when I went. Uh, but... um. But so he's got an East Coast sensibility about the world. And on 9-11, he called me. He's like, is this really a big deal? What's going on? I can't tell here. And I was like, yeah, man, this is terrorism, man. This is a problem. Yeah, you know. And he's like, all right. He's like, that's what I thought. He goes, but the way they talk about it here, you know, a plane hit a building, blah, blah. Like, it was very, I don't know, laissez-faire in the the first number of hours. You know, obviously, they figured it out after that. But in the very beginning... New York's one of those places, like, if you've never been there, I suggest coming in underground, which you'll end up doing unless you drive, because the first time you walk up and the sun hits your face and you look up, you'll think, I have never seen anything like this in my entire life. It's, you know? it's, it's crazy. It's intense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you've you got to be ready. Working in Times Square every day is is definitely a treat. Yeah. I, I We, you know, obviously haven't been up in a little while because of all this, but it is a real... You just, you've never, most people have never seen a building that tall next to a building that tall that goes on seemingly forever. It's mm-hmm. so many people moving um, in unison, but separately. It's hard to put into words, really. Do, do you know what I mean? But there's a flow of people. It, it works. And uh, I don't know. I, I love it there. I love it out here in general on the East Coast. I like, I like that. Uh, I like that feeling that the same guy that may flip you off or bumping into him a, 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 a block later, if you tripped and fell would stop and be like, yo, you all right. You, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a, I don't know. It's a weird thing that it's hard to put into words unless you've been there. Uh, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you were hoping to? Um, no, we, we covered, we, we, we covered a lot, you know, just basically it, Definitely the, the organization, yeah. um, Kyla Cares. Uh, we're um, figuring out now what our first fundraiser is going to look like um, later in this summer. Uh, so just be on the lookout for that. And we, we're we also um, going to be producing uh, some pieces of, in collaboration with the uh, uh, partners that partnerships that we have with like the New Orleans Saints, the uh, NFL, Bobo Snack Cakes, um, Insulet and Dexcom, which sort of like help with like 
marketing the message um, about centered around self care. Okay. Um, because it's 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 a it's it's a really big issue. Um, people just not having the information, not realizing that they with just minor tweaks that can really just make life with this disease a lot less stressful and just make life better. Yeah. I used to joke that if people figure out what I'm saying isn't that complicated, um, they won't need the podcast anymore. But I don't joke like that anymore because then other people have been ripping me off. So I'm like, it is complicated. I'm the only one that can tell you. <laughs> but no, but you're 100% you right. Know, this is like one of the areas where, you know, um, uh, copying is sort of like, it's got to be flattering. It, you know? it, when you when you hear somebody uh, do, my wife is such a pain. She's like, hold on. She wants me to take the dogs out. And I'm like, <laughs> She doesn't realize I'm still going. Um, I, I, I listen. I'm not going to joke with you about it. I'll be, I'll be serious with you. It is flattering to start doing something that people see and think, "Wow, that's great." Where it hurts a little bit is how much time and effort I put into the podcast, and then I see somebody else like trying to be like, "Oh, look what I thought to do," and I'm like, "Yeah, like not that pre-bolusing is patented. I'm not saying that, but there are ways that I explain things that I know for certain." Mm-hmm. I figure it out and then I hear some and I hear someone use those exact words and then there's two feelings there's the this is great it's getting around but then there's the part of me who makes the podcast who wants everyone to listen to the podcast right. you know what I mean so it's a very interesting um it's a it's a weird thing it's a weird thing to have happen because you definitely just want people to be healthy yes um, most definitely yeah but at the same time I, I want my downloads <laughs> <laughs> As, as you should get them. Those are my downloads. Don't take my downloads. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the thing I, I really would like to stress, especially with uh, people of color that may be listening to your podcast, is it's not, I mean, your glucose now and how it affects you today is one thing. But the thing we really need to look out for is its effect on your life in 5, 10, 15 years from now. Because uh, I have I'm in communication with people who are just having the most heinous complications. And... Yeah. It's awful to see someone at the age of 35, you know, dealing with neuropathy and eye damage and, or females having pregnancy complications or mm-hmm. young males who, who have to deal with erectile dysfunction in their early 30s. And I mean, life, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, no kidding. There's, there's just like everybody, there's always going to be somebody who no matter what happens, their body's just not going to do well with, with diabetes. But for the most part, for most of you, for most everybody, there are certain easy things you can do to stop that stuff from happening. And yeah. it, 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 like you said, it's it's easy now to think, oh, that's later. It probably won't happen to me. But man, when it when it happens to you, there's no mm-hmm. going back. You know, you yeah, it's you know, not pretty. It isn't going to be something you want to deal with. So I, I appreciate that. Well, I'm going to um, put the link in for sure, and I'll mention it again so people hear. That link, of course, is KylerCares.org. K-Y-L-E-R-C-A-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Or if you can imagine how Kyle would say it, K-Y-L... I see, I can't do it. His voice is beautiful, isn't it? Makes me feel like I'm feel like I'm squeaky over here. Thank you so much to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Please go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Why did I say or? It's end. 
go to both of them and find out more about the sponsors. A couple of housekeeping things first, and not that Disney needs the help, but if you've never seen The Lion King on Broadway, it is a beautiful spectacle. It is an absolute charm fest. Did you hear that thunder? It's coming. Oop, jeez. This could be it, people. Episode 342 of the podcast. You're not getting another one. I'm going up in a cyclone, apparently. Uh, but before I do, let me ask you if you... <laughs> Hi, just in case I get pulled up into a tornado, you might want to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a wonderful review of the podcast, uh, you know, so that other people who are finding it for the first time can trust what they're going to hear. They need to take a leap, and it might just be your review that lets them feel comfortable trying the podcast. So if you can do that, I would really appreciate it. What else? Uh, if you're looking for... um you know, some deep conversation with other listeners, check out the Facebook page for the Juicebox podcast. There's, of course, the public page. It's called Bold with Insulin. And there's the private page, the Juicebox discussion group, where people get together and, and talk about management ideas. It's a really great, tight group. Uh, I'm proud of it, honestly. There's over 3,000 people in there now. Um, oh, Juicebox Docs. If you have a great physician that you'd like to suggest to somebody else, go to juiceboxdocs.com and send me your uh, addition, and I'll add it to the list. It's uh, J-U-I-C-E-B-O-X-D-O-C-S dot com. And anything else? Hmm. I'm going to be doing something cool next week that I can't tell you about yet, but I will tell you about it as soon as I can. I think it's going to add to my understanding of how insulin works a lot, actually. So I'm excited about that. That's embargoed for a while. I think I can tell you in a few more days. Oh, you know, Dexcom's going to be back on the show soon. I think the CEO is going to be back probably on June 16th-ish, around there. A lot of stuff going on at Dexcom. Kevin Sayer is going to come back and fill us in on that. And I don't think... Oh, and I just recorded a really great After Dark today that I think you're going to enjoy. And next week, I'm doing a bunch of recordings with Jenny. So Jenny will be back soon. Speaking of Jenny, all of the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes are collected at diabetesprotip.com if you'd like to share them with a, a friend. There's no S, it's diabetesprotip.com. Takes you to the collection of the episodes from the podcast. You, of course, can listen through your podcast player, but it's an easy way to share or to revisit. Anything else? Hmm. No, I think that's it. I think I've covered everything. Have I? Hmm. Yeah, no, that was it. See ya.